Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is. It's a weekly podcast where we take a closer look at popular songs from the rock and roll era and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole and school is nearly out here. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and a few other things that just don't necessarily fit well into the podcast. Also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which has some other stuff that'll keep everybody busy. You can find that over at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. You know, I've been talking about Podcast Republic being my uh, podcatcher of choice, and they've still got this show listed as a featured podcast on the app, and that's pretty cool. You know, can I tell you, every time this software updates, I'm actually finding something new. And this time around, it's a delayed deletion option. The software will hold on to a show for 24 hours after you delete it, just in case you change your mind or if you realize you did it by mistake, so you don't have to download it all over again. Go get Podcast Republic for free in the Google Play Store, okay? The Drifters, they originally got together to serve as a backup group for Clyde McFadder uh, back in 1953 after McFadder broke away from Billy Ward and the Dominoes. Now, while the group lasted a long time, the lineup changed almost constantly because the group's name was owned by a fellow named George Treadwell, and he paid them pretty poorly. Uh, as a result, when it comes to drifters who work for Treadwell, well, you're looking at about 60, literally 60, six zero different vocalists altogether. But it also explains why so many famous singers managed to emerge from that group, including Clyde McFadder, Ben E. King, and J.T. Carter, who went on to found The Crests. Uh, the original concept for the group was to blend gospel and secular sounds together. And as a result, McFadder recruited members of his old church group. They recorded a couple of tracks, including this song written by McFadder called Lucille, which is an amazing piece of doo-wop music. Ultimately, however, they decided to start over again with another batch of singers. And it was this group that recorded this song, Money Honey, which was very successful and immediately put the drifters on the map. So now with Money Honey on the A side and Lucille on the B side, that actually gives us a single from more or less two different groups with the same name on opposite sides of the record. And that's something I guarantee you're not going to see very often. About a year later, in uh, 1954, McFadder received his draft notice. Uh, fortunately for him, he was stationed in Buffalo, New York at first, so he was able to keep working with the group. But when he came back, he embarked on a solo career. Which means the Drifters went through a couple of lineup changes over the years and continued racking up the hits, especially with Ben E. King out front. And this is what most people would consider the classic lineup with uh, some of the bigger hits like Dance With Me, This Magic Moment, and of course, Save the Last Dance For Me. But don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're gonna be. So darling, save the last dance for me. Benny King left the group after only about a year or so because his manager got into a disagreement with Treadwell and refused to let King tour with the group. 
So Rudy Lewis was recruited from the Clara Ward Singers to become the group's new lead singer. Lewis led the uh, Drifters with hits like Some Kind of Wonderful, On Broadway, and of course, this one. Up on the Roof was written by Carol King and Jerry Goffin in 1962 and recorded that same year by the Drifters. It was released late in the year and it peaked at number five in the U.S., overshadowing a recording done by Little Eva around the same time. It was not a hit in the U.K., however. That's not because it wasn't released over there, but it's because another version had been recorded by Kenny Lynch. Lynch's version has similar instrumentation, but to my ear, he kind of over-enunciates as he sings. And it's also a slightly slower tempo and it's a busier bridge with all the strings. Of course, it's possible that I'm just locked into the Drifters version because that's what I grew up listening to. I'm big enough to admit that. Anyway, the Drifters released a couple of other singles after that, but the only one that really did anything over the next year or so was on Broadway. And then in uh, 1950, uh, sorry, 1964, they hit upon a song by Kenny Young and Arthur Resnick. Atlantic Records had Jerry Wexler was the one who found uh, Under the Boardwalk at Young and Resnick's publishing company, and he was the person who decided that the Drifters were going to record it. The Drifters didn't really like the song, but Wexler had the final say in what they were going to record, and that was pretty much that. Now, Young and Resnick may have had some sort of relationship with Carol King and Jerry Goffin, but if that's the case, then I'm not really sure what it is, because they didn't write at the same pace, they didn't have the same musical style, and Young and Resnick didn't work in the Brill Building the way King and Goffin did. But for whatever reason, they decided to tie their song with Up on the Roof through their first line. Oh, when the sun beats down and burns the tar up on the roof And your shoes get so hot, you wish your tired feet were fireproof now, the Drifters were all set to record the song on May 21st, 1964. But unfortunately, the night before, lead singer Rudy Lewis died the night before, and he was found in his hotel room. According to the liner notes in the Drifters' 1996 box set, Lewis was a closeted homosexual who was addicted to heroin and who also suffered from a binge eating disorder. So while his death was ruled as a probable overdose, it's also possible that he had had a heart attack while under the influence of drugs. Lewis was 27 years old at the time. That makes him one of the first members of the infamous 27 Club. Now, instead of rescheduling the recording session, former member Johnny Moore was brought back into the group to perform the lead vocals on the recording. And if you listen to the entire group, especially the backup singers during the chorus, there's definitely an edge of moroseness to their singing, which gives a little bit of a melancholy sound. possible that they're singing two different things in the chorus? Are they falling in love under the boardwalk or are they making love? Well, the answer is both. 
there are in fact two different recordings of the song. The one you're hearing right now is the Mono 45 version for the U.S., and they're definitely singing Falling in Love throughout the song. Compare that to the album version, which was recorded in stereo. So on that one, they're clearly singing Making Love, and that's what's happening throughout that song. And if you bought the Golden Hits compilation album, they managed to split the difference. They created a composite where they sing Making Love the first two times and then Falling in Love in the final chorus. But that's two completely different recordings edited together. So there are two finished recordings of the song and three versions, three different versions out there that you can listen to. Got it? Okay. So Under the Boardwalk went to number four on the Billboard Hot 100, but it barely cracked the top 50 in the uh, UK. The song was popular enough that Resnick and Young came back to the theme a few months later with the song, I've Got Sand in My Shoes. Oh, the boardwalk's deserted, there's nobody down by the shore. And the ferris wheel ride isn't turning around anymore. Now, Sand in My Shoes is a much clearer tie-in to Under the Boardwalk than Under the Boardwalk was to Up on the Roof, both thematically and musically. Sand in My Shoes topped out at number 33 on the Billboard chart, and so far as I know, it didn't chart at all in the UK. Uh, Under the Boardwalk has been covered by many, many artists, including the Rolling Stones, who recorded and released it the same year as The Drifters, but it was only released as a single in a couple of countries and wound up being The Stones' first number one song in Australia. Uh, Bette Medler covered the song, John Mellencamp released it as the B-side to R.O.C.K. in the USA, and versions by Billy Joe Royal, Bruce Willis, and Lynn Anderson have all managed to reach the charts. But the first version to chart in the UK is this one by the Tom Tom Club from 1981. This version went to number 22 in the UK, uh, while pretty much the entire album was ignored in the US, except in the dance clubs. But you know, perhaps the most uh, important recent appearance of the song was uh, during the Hurricane Sandy telethon in November of 2012, when it was performed by Jimmy Fallon, Steven Tyler, and uh, Billy Joel, uh, with Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel's sax player Mark Rivera singing backups. There's an audio problem the first time he sings it, but that's Billy Joel singing the low part of the chorus. Listen in. Uh, as all you know, uh, New Jersey was hit really hard. Some beaches were destroyed. Boardwalks were torn apart. But they will be rebuilt. They will come back. This song is dedicated to all the good times they had. Sing along if you know the word. When the sun 
that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also check out and sh- uh, follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. Thanks again to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is to not quit while you're ahead. Yeah, I'm purposely being a little bit cryptic there. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Thank you.